You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 167, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Mike, every day is a good day to be alive. Everything is delicious. Thank you for asking. Mm. <laughs> Watched. The Seahawks offense, Eagles defense, convinced myself the Eagles are going to win this game. Watch the Eagles offense preparing for the Seahawks defense. Remain weirdly convinced the Eagles are going to win this game. Very uncomfortable feeling. Yeah, so today we're going to be, well, today we already have, since it's going to be a, a rare double header back-to-back on Friday of the Kiss and Solak show. But on the Kiss and Solak show 166, we previewed the Eagles defense going up against the Seahawks offense. Now we're switching sides of the ball And I think I agree with you, Ben, on that confidence level, and we'll explain why in a second here, but quickly we'll get to the new stuff we know about the injury report with the Eagles and Seahawks. Seahawks are our West Coast, so we tend to get the reports a little bit later, so everything that we said on the previous show kind of still holds right now. Obviously, those will be updated on BleedingGreenNation.com, and you can get all of your updates on there, but for right now, the Eagles' game statuses have been set. Out is Nelson Aguilar again with the knee questionable lane johnson with the ankle zach Ertz with the ribs at back that's a that's a very uh interesting quote-unquote questionable as we explained on the last show because i don't think he's playing but uh everyone else is expected to play that includes miles sanders and sanders confirmed that himself so ben anything there change how you feel about this game i think the important thing is that lane plays because if not you'll have vitae will have to play right tackle, and then Matt Pryor would right. be the right guard is how I think the Eagles would set yeah, that so up. Yeah, so that would be, that's confirmed that that's the line that if Lane doesn't play. Have they said yeah. if Lane plays, they're moving Vitae to guard? I believe that they have. Right. I think that Doug alluded to that a couple of days ago. That's what I would imagine it is. Right, yeah. Right, so Lane at, at right tackle is an interesting one because the Eagles have confirmed that if Lane's out, it's Vitae at right tackle, Pryor at right guard. I'm relatively right. certain that if Lane is in, Vitae kicks in to right guard. If you remember the Seahawks-Eagles game in Week 12, Lane was out for that game. The first half was the uh, the old Andre Dillard half. The old, uh, yes. what if we <laughs> tripped ourselves on J.J. Arthiga-Whiteside going in jet motion? What if we got bull rushed into next week by Ziggy Ansah and gave up a, a, a sack? Like, really bad showing for Dillard. So then they kicked Vitae to... Right, uh, right tackle, and they put whatever his name is prior at 
right guard. This is really the only time we've seen those two players next to each other this season, if memory serves. And it's interesting because during that game, I've talked about the fact that the Eagles were trying to get into these weird run looks that they didn't typically do when Lane was on the field in terms of they were trying to run some just like regular outside zony stuff and outflank the defense. And it's just not what typically their bread and butter was. And I was like the backside, the zone handback, the, the, where they cut up to the backside A-gap, they apparently need Brooks and Lane for that because of the size and the ability to take that mm. double team, take the three tech, go up to the second level. Well, once... Dillard went out and Vitae went in and Pryor went in. You had two tackle bodies there, just like you do when you have Brooks and Lane, right? Let's not forget, Pryor played tackle at TCU. It's a big boy. And they went back to it in the second half and found success with it. So what's interesting to me is, is Dillard, Vitae, Pryor, anybody who plays right tackle position, not named Lane Johnson, is going to be a liability. They're going to come with, with with rushes to that side. They won with Shaquem Griffin with speed rushes against Vitae. They'll probably go to that again. But in the running game, which I think is important for Philadelphia, and we'll talk about why in a little bit. In the running game, if they can establish his own handback, that's a big deal for them because they missed that in the first half of their running game against Seattle, and they really struggled to run it against Seattle. This, of course, was also post-Jordan Howard injury, pre-Miles yeah. Sanders is good, right. concurrent maybe Boston Scott's going to be a thing <laughs> season. I believe they handed the ball right. off to Jay Ajayi in this game, so this was really the yeah. darkest hours. Uh, of the Eagles running game. So the running game is going to be a big part of this. And with Pryor and Vitae, they're comfortable running that zone handback out of shotgun. And uh, excuse me, out of under center, which is really, really important for them. So that's an interesting narrative to watch is what combo blocks are they comfortable with Pryor and Vitae executing next to each other? They're going to be good on those thick double teams on stuff that asks them to get out into space, to climb up in, uh, on the hoof. We talked about in the Eagles-Giants games, Kelsey and Brooks being able to adjust to a lagging defensive tackle in the A-gap. You might lose some of those. And so what what can Pryor and Vitae reasonably accomplish in the running game? It's a big question. So as I'm looking at PFF's uh, weekly advantage here for the matchup, they own the largest advantage both in the passing game and in the running game. And if this game is won for the Eagles, both sides of the ball, it's going to be won in the trenches. And I'll take kind of a, a wide view here and then we'll dial back in. But the Seahawks defense has been a bit of a mess lately since week 12 where they held the Eagles to nine points. They've allowed 30 to the Vikings, 28 to the Rams, 24 to the Panthers, 27 to the Cardinals, and 26 to the 49ers. They have finished the season with a ranking of 18th in DVOA. They've particularly struggled to stop the run. They've allowed 55 runs of 10 yards or more, which is tied for seventh in the league. So you can get chunk plays on the ground like the Cardinals did. Kenyon Drake's 80-yard run in Week 16 comes to mind. He had a gigantic hole on that one. There was the end around for a 30-yard touchdown from Debo Samuel on an end around. I expect the Eagles to go with nub sets and try to capture the edge on some similar concepts. But as far as chunk play go, chunk, chunk oh, play, chunk play, <laughs> the same can't really be said for explosive plays through the air with this defense where they've at least done a decent job there. The Eagles, of course, come into the game, as we were, were talking about already, with a much different looking offense at skill position and along the offensive line with what the Eagles were dealing with in Week 12. They also have a much more confident quarterback. And I stand by my statement in the previous show for this matchup that the Eagles need to utilize concepts like post-wheel, leak, bus routes, which is the, you know, the back of the scene. Those are the types of plays that tend to play with the Seahawks' coverage rules and produce chunk yards against them. Now, you can do these longer developing concepts because the Seahawks have really lacked the pass rush. Only 27 sacks on the year. That ranks second to last. Last week against the 49ers, they only pressured Jimmy G on 21% of his dropbacks. They played Kyler Murray in week 16, 
only pressured him 18% of the time. Kyle Allen with the Panthers, even less at 17%. So those past three weeks, their pass rush has been one of the worst in the league. So again, Carson Wentz is going to have time. If you want to run the ball, it's probably going to be available to you, which is great because if you get a lead, you'll be able to control you know, the, and, and keep things on schedule. You won't take those zero to negative yard gains that are going to put the Eagles in long down and distance situations. And another thing, the Seahawks are one of the worst early down defenses in the league, which is great for an offense, which you saw with the Eagles had a bunch of long down and distances, third and long, fourth and long in last week against the Giants, ended up only going four for 13 on those money downs. They need to be successful first down, second down. This offense cannot survive those long down and distances, but this is the perfect defense to do it again, whether you're passing or you're running back. Why do you like league post wheel and bus? The rules that they have in place, that late vertical push from those different concepts, they tend to get lost. Like guys pick pick up their guy, right, and then that space is is you have access to that space behind it. Here's my thing: under so uh, Seattle Seahawks run base cover three. Blah, 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 blah. They don't really right. Like that's old they Seahawks. Don't. Yeah. Right, so they they want to be a split field team, and they were a split field team a lot against Philly. They want to be a quarters team. Ken Norton, uh, Junior's a defense coordinator there, and he's a part of the Seattle system. But like they check a lot of stuff into too high, and they want to match with quarters. They want to run match quarters. Right. Um, against the Eagles, trip sets quarters the whole time. Right, they run uh, uh poach and and whatever the other cover four check is. His name I can't remember. Um, where they're man on the backside, and then they run. They look for run quarters on on, on over a, a three receiver set. This game against the Eagles was one of the games in which they had Quandre Diggs, and Diggs mm-hmm. from a middle of the field alignment was an absolute terror. And what made Diggs really good and really effective in the game against the Eagles is the Eagles tried to throw a ton of intermediate crossing routes at Seattle, and KJ right. Wright just drove him up the freaking wall i mean he was just a complete nightmare it's really difficult to explain how good and how instinctive this player is in terms of taking away intermediate breaking routes in terms of of he, you can't high low him he's good yeah. against play action he's got tremendous recognition ability he's got incredible instincts to sniff things out he's just a special player in that regard cool i mean he was the one who was quoted as saying i knew when the eagles were going to run screens in week 12 Right. So we're dealing with a player who who has a just a tremendous, tremendous feel for how to operate in the intermediate zones in the middle hole. And then when you have a player like Quandre Diggs behind him, Quandre Diggs is an ex nickel corner playing deep middle safety. He is super quick and super aggressive. He knows how to get connected. A lot of safeties are not, oh, I'm going to split. Grouts, no, like Quandre is coming up and getting involved. And so he, right, and then Wagner in the middle of the field are just a, awful to deal with because you can't open up intermediate windows right mm. well now the answer is if you have an aggressive middle of the field safety who closes downhill on stuff and he allows the linebackers to play up into the intermediate up into the short areas of the field you got to be able to throw behind this deep safety with a crosser in front of him and a crosser behind him you want to run yankee you want to run ncaa you want to run mm. uh you know pin concept whatever cool Who's running the routes? That's the question for Philadelphia, right? It's like, right. is it the 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 Robert Davis bomb game? Because it might be the Robert Davis bomb game. In which case, sure. But this is like that does that doesn't scream high percentage play to me, TBH. And also, uh, you don't want to be targeting Robert Davis heavily in a game where you have 
other options who are not Robert Davis. We don't know seems plain, but like that's the reality. So there's that. So you're saying it's the Deontay Burnett. Right, Deontay Burnett. So in terms of throwing it deep, I don't want to. Because I think the Seahawks are really good. You know, it's important to know over the last few weeks, they have not had Quandre Diggs. Diggs got injured. Week 14 against the Rams? 15, 14? Yeah, and they Whatever. They may or not, they may or may not have him for this. Now he's game. Yeah, he, I mean, full practice. He's expected to play. That's a really okay. big freaking deal because the last two weeks, lost to Arizona, lost to San Francisco. Yep. The Seahawks have started Delano Hill in both of those games. A thing about Delano Hill that a lot of people don't know is that he's not good. And he's so terrible. he's really bad. <laughs> it's a mess. Right. And when you look at what they're asking him to do, a lot of it is deal with intermediate stuff that's coming across his face. And he mm. doesn't have the instincts that Diggs does. And he doesn't nearly, not nearly have the quickness that Diggs does. And he can't tackle. They're, not, they're in an entirely different world as tacklers, in my opinion. Right. And so you see, like, Arizona did a really good job just throwing, like, a ton of crossers across the intermediate areas of the field in breaking stuff for uh, uh you know kj Wright uh, gets connected really quick he sings underneath stuff make him wrong send multiple guys his way and see if you can throw against delano hill hill's a retreater hill does not want to get beat deep hill just gains depth gains depth sub developing in front of him gain depth gain depth so he is not aggressive so there's space open in front of him i don't think that space is going to be there when quandry mm-hmm. digs is in so i'm worried about leak i'm worried about bus because I think the Seahawks are going to be able with Quandre Diggs to take away some of these concepts. That's my fear. I mean, even with even with Diggs in, and this is kind of why I say this, I've seen them bust on this earlier on in the season when Diggs was playing high-quality ball for him. That's why I bring it up. There are certain checks you can get them into. Now, as you mentioned, the Eagles are going to run a ton of trips, and the Seahawks are appropriately going to check into different things that aren't conducive to those types of styles. I'm just saying as a change-up, right. if you want to try to get vertical – I'm looking at those different concepts, not from trips, but from but from other formations, from two by two, two by one, things of that nature. And I would I would argue just in general, the thing about leak is that everybody busts against it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. why don't we build the whole offense out of leak, right? When we've made the whole plane out of post wheel, I'd love it, but yeah. it's hard to right because you got it, it's 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 a constraint play. Now post wheel, I'm down diggity, and you know why I'm down diggity because the Eagles fed speed outs like there was no tomorrow against seattle it was the only thing they could do against seattle which brings yeah. us to a critical point about seattle they run base defense like their life depends on it the mm. second highest amount of base personnel usage in the nfl is 38.4 percent 38.4 percent of the snaps are base personnel for the arizona cardinals guess the number for seattle is it like 63 percent 68.3 percent so what if you took all of arizona and then just did it again and that would be basically seattle they nearly double up like third is is la at 34.8 percent they double up third in terms of how often they're running base now (laughs) that's crazy michael kendricks is out Mm. big deal because kendricks uh is your third linebacker he's your on ball sam Right, yeah. the, the Seahawks run their defense with an on-ball Sam linebacker. It's how they get a five-man front. So instead of having, like the Eagles do, like Kamu Grugier Hill in the B-gap, no, he's on the ball. He's over the line of scrimmage. When they did this against Philadelphia, Philly just checked the speed outs. Right? Philly would just, any time that they felt like they were getting the linebacker creeping up to the line, they would just throw the speed out. And, and the Seahawks seemed very comfortable giving them that. They never trapped it at all, which we got to be careful. They might. But they never trapped it. They never let the corner sit there and close down on that route. So, with Michael Kendricks out, are they going to run less base? Not really. I mean, the two weeks that he was out previous, 
backup Cody Barton took over 80% of the snaps both weeks. Yeah, I was going to ask because, I mean, the, the feeling is, and I think I saw this on uh, Steven Ruiz at, at for the win. He was putting up the personal packages for the different playoff teams. And something that he said is, you know, it's an effort by Pete Carroll to put his 11 best players on the field. I don't know if that's just like a fluff sentence or if that's something that he believes. I think he does like Barton, but Barton's a bit shaky for me. Right. So we have Barton now as an on-ball Sam. And Barton did some on-ball Sam stuff out of Utah. This is a third-round rookie we're talking about right now, Cody Barton. He did yeah. some on-ball stuff. Uh, for in, in Utah on the line of scrimmage on Sam on ball Sam whatever it, it it's not an easy position and you have to be really really smart in your coverage drops I like Barton I don't like Barton like that you know what I mean so <laughs> yeah. if you're worried about him on the field and now you've got Quandre Diggs back you have the the ability to play Shaq Griffin Trey Flowers Quandre Diggs Bradley McDougal and then insert fifth defensive back here might be Ugo Amadi, might be Delano Hill that they put on the field more, whatever it is. If you want a base nickel, cool. This brings me to my ultimate final point of the big long conversation, right? Which is <laughs> if they give you base nickel, which I do not think they will do, but is definitely on the table, never ever throw it because right. there's no way they're 4 2 with mm-hmm. Hill or even Diggs, who we love a great deal, or McDougal in the box, will withstand the running game. I don't care that both Landon Brooks are out. They're not good tackling safeties. They're not big, and they're not good tackling safeties. McDougal's a good tackling safety, but he's decent size. Delano sucks, as you said, and Diggs is super small. If they're giving you that player in the box, run it down his throat. Yeah. And and if you want to be able to pass deep, do that. Because, number one, if you do it, they will get Barton on the field, and you'll be able to pass short. Or they will go single high. And then you, you have your opportunity to take your deep shots on the outside. And you're going to get man coverage typically from then when they go single high. That's That's been the overwhelming tendency right. from them. Which if you watch how the Rams were able to throw it all over the yard against them. And you watch how the <laughs> San Francisco 49ers were able to get into their plays. The, the Rams ran their man beaters and the Niners ran their man beaters. Niners just RPO'd them to death. Yep. Behind the linebackers. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like it looked like, like, you know, like Eagles against the Broncos in 2017. Yeah. It, like, it was like 33 to 2 at the half, right? Obviously, that wasn't the case for the Seattle Niners game. There's some balls that, that, you know, went certain ways, and the Niners fell away from this and run defense, whatever. But the, 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 the RPO game they ran, I mean, one man routes, just stretch and go, stretch Ooh. and glance, stretch and hitch, just day three install stuff right now now let, why, De- let Debo work a release turn your right. head and you're there now yeah. why did Seattle now why did San Francisco like that it's because they gave condensed split super wide surfaces Seattle put six on the line of scrimmage on ball Sam linebacker rotating onto the line they had no second level of the defense they're not gonna the Philly's not gonna condense them like that but you're still gonna be able to get into your RBO sets you brought up nub sets earlier Philadelphia moved away from the nub against Seattle in week 12 they got to come back it's, they do. You don't. You, you don't do many things well on offense here, Doug. And <laughs> this is one of them. And what you'll get against that is they'll push the linebackers. So you'll get, uh, you know, uh, three by one. You'll get the 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 strong linebackers, the overhang, and then the Mike linebacker will be to the strong side, and the weak linebacker will be either over the tight end or over the formation. They'll bring the corner in over the tight end. In which case, it's advantage Dallas Goddard pretty much irregardless of who he gets. Maybe KJ Wright, like we've said, is a hero, but I don't think you're going to be, you might be getting KJ Wright in that circumstance, actually, if Zacharis doesn't play now that I think about it. Screw that. If you get the nick, if you get the corner, throw it. Because Goddard against the corner is going to be one of the best matchups that you get. The other thing is, when we're talking about 
who's potentially in the box, the number of linebackers that you get. Barton's on the field. You, you, you don't, you, it, we're running it if Barton's off the field. Barton's on the field. Don't run it. Throw it to the back. Yeah. Throw it to the back. They're not good at covering running backs. Eagles have been the most explosive screen team over the last four weeks. No team has thrown more screens, garnered more yards on screen send, uh, over the last four weeks than Philadelphia has. They've been great in the screen game. I was brought up earlier, KJ Wright said he knew the screen game was coming, but you have to be able to establish your running backs as pass-catching threats here because, again, you have the ability to expose the rookie linebacker in space, which they're going to ask Barton on the line of scrimmage to do a ton. They are not going to take right off the line. They're not going to put right on the line. They're not going to put Wagner on the line. On base downs, they're going to stay off ball. Unless Eagles go condensed formations, which they won't. So Barnes on the line. There was the one Miles Sanders wheel route that he, or it was a little swing pass that he caught, where like at the snap, it's like, ha ha, hike. And then you hear on the mic, Carson. And it's Sanders who's taken like two steps. And it, it, it was the Giants. And acknowledges yeah. that he's wide open. Like there's no way this linebacker is getting him in time. Yeah. And so he's just like, yo, 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 yo. Like that's your thing. <laughs> if you can check to see that you're going to outflank them on that side, take it. So mm. that's your running back target, Barnes on the field. Now, if Barton's off the field and you've got a you've got a nickel in the situation, this is where you got to go deep with the running back, and that brings in the bus routes you're talking about, so on and so forth. So to right. distill, because this has been like a long and like interesting conversation, I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> Seattle lives in base. Michael Kendrick's out. Historically, they've stayed in base with Cody Barton. If this yeah. is the case, that's the player that you want to target in short zones with your tight ends and with your running backs. Run your base stuff, run your snag, run your mesh sit wheel, run your swing patterns, whatever you want. Whatever Barton does wrong, eat on him. Mm. Uh, be aggressive against him. In the event that they need to take Barton off the field, now you have the ability to run the football more freely. You should be able to run it against Barton as well. Hopefully that gives you some eight-man boxes. That's when you get single high, and that's when you take your deep shots. But if the Seahawks are able to keep the Eagles in long and lates, and they're able to stay in too high and still defend the run, which I don't think they'll be able to do, but if they can... Right. You're not going to be able to throw this ball beyond the, the sticks. I think yeah. Diggs is too much of an issue, and I think Griffin and, and Trey Flowers are too big and too physical for players like J.J. I think a wide side of Robert Davis. I also like the, some of the stuff I saw from the 49ers on film. We'll get to uh, real quick. You know, they used a, a good amount of play action, and they were successful with it. The Eagles used play action over 40% of the time last week, a ton of letting the Bronco buck, as we detailed throughout the week. They had success with things like three-level flood and, and, and all that stuff that the Eagles had run the previous week. So, you know, that 40-yarder Deontay Burnett, that's something to look for. That's something that can translate from that 49ers game against the Seahawks from the Eagles last week into this week. All right, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll get our final thoughts on the game, get into some uh, predictions that's coming up next here on the Kiston Solak Show. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 167, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, Michael Kist, here with Benjamin Solak. Ben, when you look at these matchups, a question for you here, and PFF is projecting it as Robert Davis against Trey Flowers, Greg Ward against Ugo Amadi, who I don't, I don't, the Seahawks still don't really know no, what they want to do. It's not against Ugo Amadi. Ugo Amadi took nine snaps, and I have a freaking problem with this. You have a good football player. <laughs> Put him on the field. 
took nine snaps against the whatever the frick their name is, the the the, the Niners. They can't decide if they want to put Marquise Blair in or if they want to put Ugu Amadi in or or wh- whoever they want to put in there as they the only played guy. Amadi when when Griffin was out with injury. And then once Griffin comes back, and Griffin's not been playing well, in case anybody wants to know, Ugo Amadi, who is objectively good at this. And by objectively, I mean I'm heavily biased because I liked him coming out of the draft. Objectively good at this. <laughs> they won't play him. Which, I mean, like, good news for us. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. is like you're going to get Greg Ward in zone coverage against, like, McDougal and, and Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright. It's a win. They had that last time. They weren't able to hit with it because Carson and Gary Gord had no idea where each other was going to be. That's gone away now, which is a big deal. Yeah. And and thanks uh, in part to Josh McCown on that. Zach Rosenblatt had a great piece on uh, the impact that Josh I like that piece. Had. That was a good piece. It was it was awesome. And it, and it's a super underrated signing in his well, impact on the team. Well, let's not get that bad part. Been... It was good. You keep 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 Zach's head correct size. Come on now. That's that's a great point, Zach. Terrible piece. You got to do better. But uh, great signing for McCown. You know, having all the the meetings of the minds and pounding the table with Deontay Burnett and all this, all the working with Greg Ward and really working with the practice squad guys to have them ready for this moment. And you kind of look through the matchups, like you said, they're going to be able to work guys from the slot. Trey Flowers is a guy you can get after a little bit. Uh, I don't love the matchup with uh, with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and Shaquille Griffin. Shaquille Griffin got shown all 50 states by Debo Samuel last week. But Shown all 50 states? <laughs> when did we start saying that? He got he got whooped on a little bit. It, Debo had a really good game. That man really got shown game. all four corners of the compass rose, brother. He was opening a travel agency with how much he was, he was going around. Anyway, so you look at those matchups. I, do, I still do think, though, you know, the Seahawks are going to struggle to cover the tight ends as well, especially with the safety that they have and you know Wagner's still good in coverage but it should be a nice Dallas Goddard game I'm wondering who you think in this game and don't forget about the running backs in the passing game either but who, who whose game is this who steps up and makes the big impact we had Boston Scott with a, a franchise tying three brushing touchdowns in in the last game who really shines in this one you ready for my super unsexy answer Carson Wentz Isaac <laughs> no. Samuel. Ooh, Sam Do you Marlo. remember Samalo in this week 12 game? Yeah. Young man he was got good. No. Really? Samalo in this game got this one? pants. When he was no, when he was when he was on the hoof, he did well. I think otherwise he struggled. When they had him pulling, he did he did pretty doggone good. Because right. he set up some Miles Sanders runs that were nice. Eagles, Seahawks, 10 winners, losers, and I don't know. Benjamin Solak, November 24th. We're gonna fight about Isaac Siamalo on here. Okay, it's apparently I did not include Samalo. Maybe it wasn't bad as I remembered. Anyway. Their interior <laughs> I win. offensive line was not uh-huh. good. Kelsey, Sam Malu, struggled. Obviously, they, they uh, incorporated whatever his name is uh, prior in the second half of this game. So they struggled. The biggest issue there with Sam Malu is that they're not going to pull prior because right. unless it's like a trap, he just can't move that well. Right? They'll probably trap with him because, to be honest, he can knock a dude's ear out on a oh, trap. Yeah. He's a powerful dude. A big dude. But they're not going to get him on the move. They're not going to get him to the second level nearly as much as they would with a guy like Brandon Brooks. So they're going to run a lot to the the, the play side. It's going to be the left side of the line a lot. So they're same all there for number one. Number two, Clowney potentially playing for this game. But they mm. struggled a lot with Puna Ford in week 12. They struggled a lot with yeah, Al Woods in week 12. I mean, they gave up yeah. significant interior push. This is not a good pass rushing team. Sam Allen needs to be able to win his one-on-one battles against the Seattle Seahawks interior. That is like some dense dude. So now it's looking at players like Jerron Reed. And looking at players of Puna Ford, who were able to win consistently, Quentin Jefferson as well, against the Eagles' interior offensive line, which was a big problem for their running game. So that's the interior offensive line. The left side of that line is important. And Sam Wall is the linchpin there, in my opinion. He's been not 
you know, when, when the five starters are on, he's the fifth best. Well, now you got two backups and you need to elevate your game a little bit for the Eagles to be able to successfully run the football. The Eagles can't run the football. They're not going anywhere in this game. That's what we saw week 12 against the Seahawks. That's what we're going to see in week seven, week 18 against the Seahawks. If they're unable to establish a running game, which like, yes, I said establish a running game, offense isn't going anywhere because they're not going to be able to open a play action pass game. They're not going to be able to consistently rely on the RPO game. They need to be able to win with line of scrimmage, force the Seahawks to get plus one in the box. Take away yeah. the, the, the split field safety, force them into single high. Now you can run your passing game. I agree. Yeah, and, and this is why these games aren't played on paper because on paper the Eagles have an advantage, but they are going to need some solid games from those interior players. By the way, shout out to uh, Jason Kelsey. Updated Seahawks report. Selection. Ooh. Dwayne Brown is out. Repeat. Brandon Ooh. Graham is getting three sacks. No, not Brandon Graham. Derek Barnett is getting three sacks. Uh, big news is that Clowney is not listed 100%. Uh, he's not 100%, uh, but he will be playing. They've ruled out Dwayne Brown, ruled out Malik Turner, ruled out Michael Kendricks. Mm-hmm. Questionable mm-hmm. is Jerron Brown and Mike Iupati. Iupati from the last show we were talking right. about the impact that that could have on their offensive line. Yep. Right. Now, Iupati, as uh, BLG pointed out following that show, was Wednesday, Thursday listed as questionable or didn't participate in practice. Now, on Friday, he's listed as questionable. So there's a good chance that he plays. But uh, Drawn Brown being questionable is also a bit of a deal because then behind Metcalf and Lockett would literally just be David Moore and then John Ursua, which is what we talked about mm. on the previous show. So Brown out is a big deal. If there's no Iupati, it gets even bigger because then I took under on 23 points for Seattle, right? And if there's you no Iupati, I go under, 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 under. Because they're oh, yeah, I, I pushed it. Yeah, I would go under. Side of the line. Yeah. Okay, so now that we know the injury report and we have a good idea of who is playing and who is not, and Ben took a cop out on the uh, the the player that would bust out in this game. Okay, for fine, uncop out. Um, JJ, I think a white side. Suck it. Wow, I'm surprised you didn't go with your boy Boston Scott, brother. You took so much heat, so much heat over the years, sir, over uh, over Pump sir. You got on the hype train for sir. Boston Scott, and you're not sir? shouting his name from a mountaintop. Number one, Boston Scott can't break out in this game. He's already broken out. <laughs> Number two. Why, why would I be like, oh, bold prediction, Boston Scott? Wouldn't be a bold prediction. I've known the whole time. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Oh, Boston, maybe Boston Scott. One of us wrote about Boston Scott being the next Aaron Sproles in the preseason. Was it you? No, it wasn't. Have you uh, plugged that piece recently? That's something that you dunk with. I'm trying to help you here. You realize that, Ben. I'm being your friend. I probably feel like I haven't. I don't know. I don't. Here's the thing about me dunking. <laughs> I get one out of every seven right. I can't dunk. I'm exposing <laughs> myself too much. <laughs> That's why I laugh when people are like, oh, you care about your pre-draft rank? No, I don't. I'm wrong all the time. And here's the the biggest problem. The number one piece that people have been dunking with for me this year has been, was Nelson Aguilar worth $9.4 million? Which is awful. It's so sad. Um, (laughs) I don't like to talk about how much a person is worth. Right. But they probably shouldn't have paid Nelson Aguilar $9.4 million. There's business realities, yep. Which, again, speaking of things that I thought that you did not think, sir, Nelson Aguilar would be the deep threat for the offense. Say goodbye to the gentle listeners. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) wow, we're not even do the predictions. (laughs) Hustle takeover. Look, I mean, the Eagles thought he was the the backup for Deshaun Jackson as far as the deep threat went. He had deep threat chances. He just dropped them all. There's that. So we all have bad takes. That's exactly what I mean. Thanks for... I I, I bring up two really good takes from you and you bring up a bad one from me? Is that how we're working this now? You know who I learned that from? You know who I learned that policy of just be mean all the time? (laughs) Every day's a bad day. Nothing is delicious. 
That's from me. Reap yeah, what you, you have sown. I got it from you, Dad. I got it from you. All <laughs> right. The, the line is still at a 1.5, one and a half point favorites for the Seattle Seahawks on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Seahawks have been gangbusters on the road this year. What are they, 7-1? and one? I don't know how much that means, but they're definitely not going to have an issue traveling from West Coast to East Coast. It's a later, later game in the day, 440 start time, if I'm not mistaken. But over-under is set at 45. Ben, you had the Seahawks at the under of 23. So Vegas is saying it's 23-22. Do you have the Eagles over or under on 22? You follow John Ganuda on Twitter? No. He's the uh, Eagles, one of the Eagles uh, guys in their, their PR department. He's the PR coordinator. Fewest points allowed per game at home since 2016. Eagles are first in the league at 16.1. The splits are nice. That's since Schwartz. Yep. Schwartz cooks up a defense at home, for real. Schwartz and Grow have both listened to the podcast the last few weeks. By listening Uh to the podcast, I mean done better jobs. That's Mm -hmm. the thing about listening to the podcast, Mike. It makes you do a better job. They've done a lot of things that that we like. So, you know, (sighs) how can you you say that? They aren't listening. Eagles under, Seahawks under, the game ends 17-17. 16-16, actually, to be honest. Oh, my gosh. I... Don't be a coward. I think the Seahawks win the game. Oof. I think the Seahawks win the game. They're beat up, but they have a healthy quarterback. Top two quarterback in the league. Right. They have top quarterback. They have two healthy wide receivers. And getting Quandre Diggs and Jadavion Clowney back for that defense is astronomical in terms mm. of impact those are the two of the three highest impact players on that defense in terms of their play so far this year so i think seattle wins it i think it ends up like literally like 1916 i think it ends up mm. like 1716 i think it ends up like 1815 somehow like i i think this is a groaning teeth grinding sort of a game where nobody is happy at the end um <laughs> it's so difficult to trust the Eagles offense, even after the last four weeks, to continue to be able to produce, given the very limited offensive personnel that they have. And we didn't even discuss on this podcast the fact that Miles Sanders not being at 100% massively impacts his individual play. Because Sanders gets away with a lot of bad process because of how athletic he is. He is not going to be as athletic as he usually is on Sunday. I don't. He's not fully healthy. He's right. like, oh, I'm playing. Yeah, you're not going to be 100%, Tiger. And and so there's going to be plays where he gets caught from behind that, you know, that's a seven yard swing, five yard gain yep. to a two yard loss because he's bouncing. We should be bouncing or whatnot. So this it, it's really tricky. I'm like, OK, so then it's a Jordan Howard game. Well, who knows what that is? And like, how much can you can you really get another 150 yards out of Boston Scott? Like, it's just there's so it's been so improbable that it's just hard to continually bet on it, especially when you consider that the most dynamic option, Sanders, is unhealthy. I have no doubt in my mind that Zach Ertz doesn't play. Like unless you're getting actual production out of Robert Davis, you just don't have enough weapons yeah. to consistently move the ball down the field. And then it's how can you withstand Russell Wilson for four quarters? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the Eagles lose. I think it's it's like I said, it's a hard fought. It's a it's a grimy. It's a tough game. I don't think anybody's happy at the end. I think there's you know good plays, good takeaways. I think Carson doesn't like you know ruin the game. I think he, he's not. He's gonna throw five bajillion turnovers and and make everything bad. Um, but I I I, I struggle to convince myself that the Eagles are going to win on a weekly basis just because of how improbable their wins have been thus far. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, how can you expect an offense that has taken so many different hits to continue to produce? Is it the Elijah Holyfield game? Is that what we need? I have, I have no idea 
But what they've done this far has been absolutely impressive. So it comes down to trusting if they can consistently produce despite all of the hits they've taken on offense, now dealing with Brandon Brooks out for the year. And then you look at the defense. Can you trust the defense, especially the outside corners who have been beaten up and and picked on all year? Can you trust the corners to limit the Seahawks? Can you trust Brian Schottenheimer to let Russell Wilson throw the ball? This game could look very, very different depending on how Brian, Brian Schottenheimer. I'm positive. If there's anything I believe to be certain about this game is that no one will be happy at the end. That's what I mean. Eagles win, Seahawks win. I'm positive that nobody's like, oh, good, we look good. Let's go beat the Niners. No one's going to feel that way. Does not matter. I mean, this game is a total toss-up to me, and I think it's either a close game or a Seahawks blowout. With that said, I don't want to keep doing the reverse jinx. I think the magic has run out on that. I'm just going to go ahead and pick the Eagles. I mean, we we laid it all out. All the the pitfalls and all the things that can go right and go wrong. I'll go 20 20 to 17. Sounds great. That you picking the Seahawks? No, I'm picking the Eagles. Picking the Eagles, baby. And then I think in the second round, they get absolutely effing smashed by a team that is much healthier and uh, and thus much more talented than them, whether it be the Saints or the 49ers or whatever the case is. I don't think there is a life for the Eagles after this first game, so I hope they, they get away with one and move on. My ideal playoffs, beat the Seahawks, mm. go to San Francisco, lose like 33-7. to seven. Right, right. But seven is the <laughs> opening drive, eighty-yard touchdown to Deshaun Jackson. And you're just like, and we're all oh like, God. we're all like, the team is back. And then Debo <laughs> destroys us for 150 yards. That pass rush absolutely murders Vitae. Right. We don't make it any further. Obviously, my dream playoff is a Super Bowl win. But like, realistic dream playoff: beat the Seahawks, go to the Niners, get one relevant, not garbage time touchdown from Deshaun. There you go. Sleep at night. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that, I mean, that's pretty possible, man. What about the other games? Real quickly, we'll pick them before we get out of here. The wild card games. Buffalo Bills at Houston Texans. Who you got? Uh, Bills are going to cream them. Interesting. Houston's got a wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, and then like literally DeAndre Carter. Remember DeAndre oh. Carter? Greg Ward before Greg Ward? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's tough for me. No. I've been so Bills are paper tigers. Who Here's they beat? the thing. They haven't, they haven't beaten anybody, but Houston, Houston is so like up and down. They could be terrible. They could be really, really good. I don't I don't know. That's tough. You were going to yell something at. Yeah, I was going to talk about Bill's defense is really freaking good. It is. And then in terms of like people beating people, the Texans have beat absolutely nobody interesting. Like we thought they beat people who were interesting, but they really haven't They're, in, in right. the AFC season. They beat the Titans when the Titans were super hot, which was fun. Right. But then besides that, they beat the Chiefs with more. Uh, oh, they beat the Patriots in whatever it's called. In I think it was in Houston. I've been in Foxborough. Right, right. Yeah. But they beat the Patriots, and we were all like, "Wow!" And they then almost the Patriots, lost. they they almost gave that one back up because that was a right. blowout. They almost got the onside kick at the end. Right, but then like so, right. So it was that, but they got like murdered by the Ravens. I think they lost. They lost to the Colts. They lost a stupid game to the Broncos. They lost to the Panthers in Week Four. Like they. They beat, lost the tech, the Saints in Week One. Like I don't know. They haven't beat anybody that interests me. Yeah. Do you believe in Josh Allen that much? I, do, I believe we're as likely to get a good enough Josh Allen game to win as we are to get a bad enough Josh Allen game to lose. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, I don't think he's good, but I think there's enough variance there that we can get a good game out of him. And I think the Bills defense is tremendous, and you can suck okay. it. I'm going to – okay. Hold on. Calm down. I, 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 I'm, I'm often real, real spicy on this podcast for some reason. Goodness. Ed, Ed O, Ed Orgeron, coach at LSU, said go Bills. I can't go against Ed. That's the determining factor for me. So oh, Bills are winning that game. 
Titans, Patriots. I'm going to go Patriots, man. I never get, I never, I don't care what's going on with them. I never bet against them in the playoffs. That is just stupid. That is a sucker's bet. You say it every year is Tom Brady cooked. I don't know, man. He's going to be, he's going to be coming to this game, dripping in like deer antler spray and just go off. Uh, so I got the Patriots in that one. Who you got? Titans are winning the ballgame. There you go. Tana Thrill. You're a big Tana Thrill fan? I'm a big best way to beat the Patriots is to generate explosive plays because it's impossible to maintain a drive against them and the team generating the most explosive plays this year is the Tennessee Titans crushing it crushing it all right Vikings and Saints I think the Saints just smashing right. uh yeah Saints are gonna win okay. <laughs> it'll be fun but I brought this up I believe in the previous podcast Vikings are fully healthy but also the Saints are getting healthy the Saints starting off with right. the line is back Marcus Williams mm-hmm. is back Von Bell is back we forget how good this defense was when the secondary was healthy. Yeah. They're not getting Eli Apple back, but they've got enough talent back there to, I think, be pretty suffocating to a, a, a Vikings passing attack that really doesn't do much for me. So unless the Vikings are running for 250 yards, no. Nah, give me the Saints. All right. So bragging rights comes down to the uh, the Seahawks and Eagles and the, and the Titans and Patriots. We'll see how that works out. Ben, that is going to do it for this Second part of the two-part preview series of the wild card round, Eagles and Seahawks, coming to you Sunday, 440. Ben, would you say goodbye to the gentle listeners? Thank you, as always, for listening to the Kiss and Seahawks right here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. Everything you need to get ready for the Eagles playoff game against the Seahawks is here on the feed. And is in on your earballs. It's in your earballs already. You have right listened now. to it. Way so to be. Open your eye drums and find it. <laughs> Also, go to BleedingGreenNation.com yes. for all of your written coverage as well. When I very excitedly said that the Seahawks injury report was out, want to know where I found that, Mike? BleedingGreenNation.com. Uh, so go ahead. All the written analysis you need, all of the audio analysis you need is here on the feed and here on the site. So if you are not yet a subscriber, go ahead and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. This was the second half, of course, of our preview shows. The first half, which focused on the Eagles' defense and how they'll handle the Seahawks' offense. Uh, was yesterday. And so if you have not yet listened to that. It was today. I'm it was this. today. Michael's yeah. very fast. So you can go ahead and you can find that on your feeds previously so that you are fully ready for the game. So you have a lot of smart, insightful things to say for your family and for your friends. He's been Michael Kiss on Twitter at Michael Kiss NFL. It's KSDI. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S O L A K. Win or lose. We are back with you on the post game show after the Seahawks game on Sunday afternoon. So Sunday night, Monday morning for work. Make sure you check those feeds. We will talk to you then. Burn the ships, but don't burn them like Zach Ertz and, and burn along with them. All right. What here we go. Is that what burn the ships? You don't know what burn the ships is? Come on, then read a book. Burn. We all we got. It's we all they, we need. It's so that they're trapped. They can't escape. Fly eagles fly. It's also an album for King and Country, an Australian Christian pop duo. Yeah, that's all the results you're going to get on that, unless you really make it specific. Well, I already said what it is. It's you burn the ships so they can't escape. Who can't escape? The, whoever arrived with the ships, whoever arrived on the ships. Okay, who's done it? Who's done that in his Somebody state? mean. Somebody mean? Somebody okay. who wants people to... Making war? Yeah. I don't okay. know. Would you Would you burn the ships? Do you think that's a good plan? I feel like the dragons in How to Train Your Dragon 1 started burning the ships. <laughs> if I'm remembering the storyline correctly. If we've read our history books. Well, after the Vikings made it to Dragon Island. But then Hiccup obviously made everything okay with Toothless. We gave three different examples of uh, historical versions of burning the ships on the QB Sco show, and you just yeah. Told ask everyone. me if I listened to the historical bits on the QB Sco show. Ah, uh, that was a really good one. That was a really good one. You're a really good one, Mike. Thank you, Ben. P G N.